BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Welcome to the Business of Esports Podcast, the official podcast of esports. We explore the intersection of business and esports, one of the fastest growing industries in the world and the future of fun. Please welcome your host, Paul, the esports prophet, Dawalibi. The Business of Esports podcast begins now. From the keyboard to the boardroom, this is the Business of Esports podcast. I am Paul, the prophet, Dawalibi. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host, the Honorable Judge Jimmy Barada. For those of you who are new here, welcome to the official podcast of esports. What we do is we cover the most pressing gaming and esports topics and news of the week, but we look at all of it through a business and C-suite lens. We dissect, we analyze the business implications of everything happening in this industry. For our regular listeners, thank you guys for tuning in every week. Thank you for all the love, the five-star ratings and reviews. I promise we read all of them. I'm humbled by all of them. It's so appreciated when you guys take the time to leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast. So please do it if you haven't already. And maybe even more importantly, share your favorite podcast episode with a friend. Send it to a colleague. uh, Spread the love. This is how the podcast has continued to grow. And we thank you for it. Jimmy, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great, Paul. And actually, I wanted to jump on that about sharing the podcast with a friend. You know, last week, guys, if you're unaware, we just started a new program called BOE Classics. So many of our great guests, so many of our great episodes from years past that we wanted to reshare with you guys. So it's a separate playlist, hopefully not too intrusive, but we wanted to re-air some of our favorite old episodes that maybe if you're a recent listener or even myself, I've been listening for two, three years now, but I didn't, you know, hear this one or that one. Uh, It's a great opportunity to catch up on some really amazing guests that we've had over the years. It's a good reminder that we're like 400 plus episodes in here, Jimmy. So I'm sure people have missed a few. Um, one or two. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. I think the first one we put out was the, the fantastic interview with Pete Hines from Bethesda. That's right. Uh, the secret to success, I believe, is what we called it because Pete was sharing some uh, some of their secret sauce over there. And it's definitely not to be missed. And it's cool because I think he was just recently promoted also. Shout out, Pete. Congratulations. SVP of Global Marketing and, Co- and Communications at Bethesda. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, I think that's that's the new title for him. So, yeah, again, big congrats to you, Pete. And he's a he's a big gamer, a big, you know, like someone who really understands uh, and loves gaming to its core, which is always fun, right? When when you get people who are working in the in, in the industry and truly love truly love the games also. Jimmy, I wanted to say also, you know, we have really big announcements coming up. We have more content coming up because I've been speaking at a million conferences. 
So I would love feedback, by the way, on the interviews we've been putting up. Last week, by the way, Lachlan Power, who very famous, you know, YouTuber, Fortnite YouTuber, esports org owner, a great interview with him last week that I did live in Saudi Arabia uh, at the Next World Forum. Curious what our audience thinks about the live interviews, because those have been fun to do at the conferences I've been going to. And I just sent you today a couple more panels that I was on. So we'll keep putting out this content if you guys are enjoying it. It's like you're you're able to be at all these conferences with us. It's part of the fun, I think, right? You get to hear the prophet off the cuff live in a room full of people. And the Lachlan one actually was where we pulled him aside, guys, and we did a quick one-on-one. I think it's uh, it's more snackable for you, I think about 10 minutes or so. And for those that are unfamiliar, Paul had just given a little background on Lachlan. He also has, I think, 15 million followers or subscribers on his yeah. YouTube. So, you know, yeah. not... Yeah, so, so it's a pretty insane following, I think, and, and really awesome insight, too, because I don't think you get to be that successful or have a following of that size without, like you mentioned, being a game, not just a gamer at heart, but understanding, I think, the gaming culture, what audiences want, and, and then obviously providing that to them. So, you know, another one not to be missed. I say that about all of our episodes, but I truly feel that way. And, and I, I love being a tease. And so this Friday, Jimmy, you know this. I'm going to be in a studio filming something very brand new. I can't say more than that, but I'm super excited about what uh, our audience has in store for them because I'm I'm just excited about this specific project. And we have another big announcement coming in one month from today. So uh, <laughs> Paul, I just I hate being such a tease, but like on my own show. <laughs> As the company lawyer, I'm going to tell you that uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait a little longer to say these things. <laughs> Um, but you may hear things. So, you know, I, I want people to at least get the tease from me first, as long as you're okay with that, Jimmy, of course, as the company lawyer. Te- te- teasing is okay. Well, well let's okay. tease our guest for today and maybe bring him in. He's been very patiently waiting backstage for us. We do. I mean, uh, speaking of esports teams and esports orgs, we have, you know, I, I think I've said this on a previous podcast. I think Gen G is really leading the way in terms of thinking leading the way in terms of partnerships, how they're thinking about revenue, how they're thinking about all these things. And so we're extremely lucky. We have Genji's chief revenue officer on the podcast today, Martin Kim. Martin, welcome to the Business of Esports podcast. Thank you guys so much. It's awesome to be here. I was just giggling to myself hearing you guys talk because uh, <laughs> I, I, keep, I keep zoning out like, oh, am I listening to the podcast right now? Uh, and then I'm like, oh, crap, I have to stand by. Get it together, Martin. But uh, no, it's, it's good to be on the show. Thank you, guys. Um, and more importantly, uh, just for owning this voice in the market, you know, it, it's really helpful. And I know a lot of people tune in. A lot of people use it as a resource. Uh, it's also, you know, you guys are talking about sharing with friends. But I've, I've shared your podcast with uh, dozens of people that ask stuff like, hey, can you tell me more about the, you know, esports and the commercial side of it. I'm like, actually, why don't you just check this out for a little bit? You get a real sense of what it's at. So yeah, just uh, thank you guys for uh, responsibly owning this this pillar of the marketplace. And it's really important. So great to be on here. Martin, I really appreciate you saying that. It's very humbling when you say that. Uh, but it's people having people like you on the podcast that I think is the the power of, of the show. It's you know, how do we get the insight and the knowledge out of your head to our audience? And I'd love for you to give our audience a bit of a background on you, just on Martin, right? Like, how did, where did you start your career? How did you get into gaming? And why did you get into gaming, I guess? Yeah, I'm happy to do that. And I always start this introduction by saying I was never a gamer. Uh, I was actually never even a fan of, of the gaming industry. Uh, I was a kid climbing a tree instead of, you know, playing Nintendo at home. But, uh, and, then, and then, you know, for this fast forward, like 20 years, uh, my background is in traditional sports. So I worked in the professional baseball uh, field uh, for almost a decade. Uh, and when I was uh, at Major League Baseball, my big, big boss at the time, uh, he was like, he oversaw all international and he was like the EVP of marketing and growth for Major League Baseball. Uh, we have dinner one time uh, in LA and he goes, hey, I'm leaving Major League Baseball. And I'm like, why, why would you do that? This guy was like, at one point, he was like a think tank behind the commissioner, you know, just a really, really in, 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 uh, intelligent dude. Uh, he goes, I'm going to go be the CEO of an esports and gaming company. And I'm thinking he's laughing. I'm laughing. I'm like, yeah, okay, this, this is a good one. He goes, no, really, uh, I am. Uh, and he's like, why don't you join me? And that I almost like coughed up my food at the time. 
he, he knew that I'm, that's not really my thing. And I, I'm passionate about traditional sports. And I, I, and I still am. I started doing a lot of homework. And coincidentally, the last project I had at Major League Baseball was running a incognito uh, esports event with a mobile baseball game in Korea to see what the future could be. And this is when it blew my mind. So locally in Korea, it was an event we did with a mobile, with a top mobile baseball game. And we had about 200 registrants to, to compete in the, in the mobile game. And the final live component was at a studio. And we had like 90 people show up. Uh, and engage uh, on the on the broadcast, and I don't know what the numbers were for the actual live stream in Korea. All parties involved were like, "Yeah, that that wasn't very good." But when I recap that and I reported it to Major League Baseball, they were like, "Oh my god, that was amazing!" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "What? What's what's the truth here, right?" And I, I started that was that was the interesting and the curiosity that I started pulling on. Uh, and then I started learning about, man, this is this is quite a world. And, you know, one thing about traditional sports, the biggest one of the biggest topics in every boardroom right now, especially in the more traditional ones like golf and baseball, it's about, hey, we're aging up. But there, there is no backfill of the marketplace. Right. A healthy cycle for anything is like when you're aging up, you have a backfill of that younger generation coming in. But the viewers and the and the and the engagements uh, in the more traditional sports, it, it's not there. You know, I'm not. I'm, this isn't breaking news, right? Everyone knows uh, certain engagements are going down, and everything is going towards digital and gaming. That's where the the, the 15 to 25 year olds right now are, are are paying attention to. So you know, I told myself, hey, if for me to be relevant in what I do for the next 10, 20 years. I need to learn this big movement. And uh, three years ago, myself included, there was sort of an exodus of traditional uh, sports guys coming over to esports and gaming, right? And so I, I was one of them. But more importantly, I followed Chris. Oh, his name was Chris. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer that any job that you have, you have to really be able to respect that vertical, right? Like when you look up, you look at your bosses, your investors, like if you don't, if you're not challenged by them, it's not going to be a fun job, right? If I always, whenever I speak in colleges and stuff, I always say, if you're ever at a job and you feel like you can do your boss's job better, that's actually not a good place to be in, right? Because um, you really limit your growth. And I really do believe that. So when I when I saw Genji's sort of upbringing, it was, it was at, at his infancy then, uh, it didn't take long for me to say, you know what, I can probably be in the same ship with these guys and no, I'm never going to sink. So I, I made that I made that crossover then. Uh, it's been almost four years. Um, no regrets. Uh, I'm still not an avid gamer. Um, and I realized that for my part of the job, I really don't have to be because I have resources like you guys to be able to learn <laughs> sort of the Cliff Notes version of things. No, no, I'm just playing. I, I definitely know it a lot more and, and into a really deep level than I did before. It just so happens that I'm not good at games, so I can't call myself a gamer. Um, but <laughs> a long-winded introduction, but that's how I got to be where I am. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, 
sets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Martin, I'm curious, you know, the, the, the background in traditional sports is always interesting. We always talk about the connection between, we lovingly call them meat sports here. Um, <laughs> so, between meat sports and esports. And there's a sort of a, this long-standing debate we've been having on the show, which um, maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't, which is, are the traditional sports team's owners playing offense or defense when it comes to esports in your mind? In other words, are they looking at esports going, here's this massive opportunity to reach a younger crowd. We have to go after this. We see, you know, huge growth in this part of the market and we want to go after it. Or is it, we're scared of this. We don't really know what's going to happen here. Our business is aging. And, and I think we had talked on a previous podcast. I think Major League Baseball, the average viewer is like 55 years old now. And is it fear that's making them jump into esports sort of as a hedge, right? As a defensive play, just in case this thing takes off, just in case their business ages too much? How would you categorize the way meat sports owners look at esports? Is it offense? Is it offensive or is it defensive? You know, you're not going to like this answer, but it's really split. Um, when you look at, you know, the dozens and dozens of, 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 of traditional sports, meet sports owners in, in every sport, um, and it's really telling by how they run their organization, right? Some sort of family-owned teams, you can just look at the entire business ops. They're very conservative, and they just like to cruise, right? For them, it's like, we've owned this team. It was part of the family. We don't plan on making a ton of money because we're already super rich. Like, why why touch that? It's like having a, 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 a restaurant down the street that gets packed every Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The interior is not so good, but why touch it when it's still, it's a cash cow for you, right? But then when you look at the orgs that uh, have like the more venture back, right? The ones that know business to a different uh, dimension, they're already there. Uh, Whether it's through their sports org or through a side investment, they're already in this somehow in some way. Like, you know, three and a half, four years ago when this big investment boom happened in gaming and esports, that's when you read all of those headlines, right? Like so-and-so, this NBA player, that that celebrity, this org, they all put money in it. And they're the more forward-thinking ones. And if you were to do a comparison, the, the organizations they represent are usually the more forward-thinking organizations already. They're the ones that are doing things with NFTs. And they're the ones that are doing, doing challenging the league. And they're the ones that uh, have different programming within their org. And they, they, they sort of leverage their IP differently. So it really comes down to the DNA of that individual ownership group. Uh, and then now if you trickle down to the league, it comes down to which in that boardroom, right? In that boardroom with the, the 20 to 30 owners, which ones are winning, right? So when you look at like the NBA and the 2K League, I applaud the hell out of them for even doing this thing, right? Granted, you know, we can talk for hours about the pros and cons of the 2K League, but the fact that they launched that and they are experimenting that with real money and real moves, I, I love that they're doing that, right? Uh, but then some other leagues, are, they've been talking about it for three, four years now, and who knows? Who knows how this unfolds? But, um, you know, it really comes down to a few internal champions and how loud they can be. Is there anything, Martin, that you took from your your life in traditional sports that has applied directly to esports, or have you had to sort of do a complete rethink of how you approach, you know, biz dev, doing partnerships, et cetera? Like, I'm curious, how much of your old life has transferred over? Initially, uh, so when I talk about that big exodus of a lot of uh, traditional sports people coming over to gaming and esports, uh, if you look at them now, half of them went back, and half of them are doing really well. 
I think the ones that adapted and quickly realized, so it's less of a thing now, but when I came on back in 2000, I don't know, 2019, 18, remember the whole classic esports or sports, like that was still a thing. Like people were still talking about that and discussing that. And, you know, and I thought my first homework was I have to come and take a side. Uh, and then my side was who cares, right? That, that was my conclusion. Who cares? It's two very different things. Um, so I feel like, The ones who adapted quickly and said, oh, esports is actually really different than traditional sport. You can't take that template and put it on here and be successful. Therefore, let's quickly pivot and find our own business models. Those survived and those people are doing really well. The ones who couldn't adapt went back and said, oh, man, esports is so weird and so different. Um, so so that, that's sort of the, the decision making that had to take place. So for me personally, uh, there was a bit of a learning curve. Um, especially coming from baseball, because baseball is a little old school. Um, so the, the, for, if you came from, say, I don't know, um, the NBA is always a little edgier. They're, they're probably a little more uh, quick to adapt. But for me, there were a few differences that hit me in the face. As soon as I understood and I, and, and I made them part of this business, it was easy for me to adjust. Um, so it, it, what do I take? From the my past job is probably the way I treat the clients. That still has been unchanged. That's part of my characteristics, you know. Because at the end of the day, the ones who are making the decision on the client side, they're the same people. So you can't be different just because the platform is different, right? So I I'm very very uh, traditional in that sense, right? I I still sometimes like to dress up and go to a meeting, and I still do the fancy handshakes and do all that because I feel like you know while our industry is kind of unique they're not a lot of them still make the decisions and they report into the same boardroom at the same sea level that, that that need to approve every budget so uh, i think that side of me hasn't changed much i just think it's super insightful that i don't want that lost on our audience right the business sales biz dev it's still business at its core even if it's esports and it's still human to human And all of those soft skills, all of that stuff that you would have done, you know, at Major League Baseball definitely still apply here. Sorry, Jimmy, go ahead. No, no, worth restating for sure. And I wanted to follow that train of thought a little further, Martin, because, you know, for, for our listeners, I wanted to get more of an understanding of what those responsibilities and how that's applied, like how those skills are applied in your day to day, what the responsibilities of a chief revenue officer are, uh, the successes that you're having through Gen G or through, again, applying, I think, those core Uh, characteristics of your own business background, but would love to hear more about, I think, uh, the job itself. Chief Revenue Officer, what does it really mean? Like, is it one of those jobs that really, that the job title says, basically what I tell people is, okay, it's a fancy title for pretty much saying, Martin, go out there and find us some money. That's what it is, right? Go out there, <laughs> <laughs> leverage Genji, leverage our esports teams, leverage our, our other business um sort of units and then try to find partnerships or people that are willing to say, oh, that's a good idea. Here's some money. Let's make it better. Um, and and that, thing that, that, that's what it comes down to, right? You can boil every biz business decision down to the core. It's very simple. Marketing is very simple. It's just you need more people to pay attention. That's what it is, right? Uh, revenue comes down to you need to put yourself out there so that someone else is willing to pay for some of the stuff you want to do. It's just kind of like you boil it down. So my job title, I mean, in some ways it's 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 like a fancy title, but it really comes down to the creativity and 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 how much do I want to put myself out there and put Genji out there uh, and make bold decisions together. At the end of the day, it, it's a win-win situation. Sometimes it's a win-win-win situation. That's what a, a strategic partnership becomes. Is all parties involved have to walk walk away with something saying that added value to my business. Um, so that's what it is at, at its core. If you want to look under the hood a little bit, uh, Genji, you know, one thing that makes us unique is that we do a lot of different things. And the, the, the IP of Genji means three different things in three different markets. Uh, like in Korea, we are one of the top esports brands. Uh, so we treat things a lot more like a traditional sponsorship, right? Like our, our League of Legends team, I don't know when this is airing, but uh, knock on wood, you know, we have one of the most dominant League of Legends teams in the back in the, in the last 10 years. Um, and therefore, and because the market is more mature in Korea, we're able to go out there and treat it like a traditional asset and say, hey, you know, we have this awesome team, competitive, 
a lot of followers, a lot of fans, people watch us, people listen to us. So, you know, why don't you put your brand somewhere around that halo and you'll get some visibility. That's a really easy transaction, right? Uh, in, in North America, we're not the same. We don't have those sexy big teams that compete at the highest levels. But what we have here is a really mature and established collegiate and education business that a lot of us don't know about. Uh, we also have this, I call it like a, like a digital agency of gaming business that most people don't know about, which is we, we go to you know a lot of the top brands and we together say, hey, what do you want to do in esports and gaming and let us be a solution for you. And, and we've been really successful at that. But again, it's really behind the scenes stuff, which is okay, right? Because at the end of the day, what matters is how healthy is our business, how much revenue can we really generate, and how much of that can we use to, to do what we want to do, right? As a business, sometimes you got to do things that you're not comfortable with to pay for things you really want to do. Um, so that, that's sort of what we've been doing for the past three, four years, and it's worked. We're not maybe as, as big and sexy as some of the bigger esports orgs in North America, but uh, when you when you kind of peel things back, we're extremely uh, healthy right now, yeah. Martin, just an, such another great insight that I talk about all the time to like would-be entrepreneurs is just people get religious, right, about their product. No, we're an esports team, right? We're not gonna we're not gonna do consulting. We're not gonna do agency. I'm not like, but you're a business, right? Like your business, the survival and viability of your business is what should matter, not religion around what exactly your product is. And I think that's really smart and something that people need to uh, take more to heart. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, we're not gonna we're not gonna sell our soul for something, right? But uh, I think something that our, our currency or Arnold and, you know, Kevin Chu, our, our chairman, something that they're really good at is they give us really fine parameters, right? They're wide, they're big parameters. So you say, here, here's your sandbox, throw it. As long as you're within those target lines, be as creative as you can. And and if the output is is revenue, if the output is strong marketing, that's, that's cool. To your point, Paul, we have to, at the end of the day, someone's got to pay the bills. Well, I, want, I do want to give a shout out to Arnold Her. He was on the episode or on, on our podcast, episode 251, and did share a little bit of this insight, Martin. I love that we're getting a deeper explanation, I think, with just because of the you know added time that we have together. So if you haven't listened to that yet, guys, episode 251 with Arnold Her, uh, who Martin just mentioned, CEO of Gen G. You know, Martin, you had mentioned, again, just trying to find money, right, and, and doing what it takes, uh, consulting, collegiate, et cetera. Where do you spend most of your time? I mean, ap apart from the competitive element of Gen G, right, winning uh, that winner mentality and competing at the highest level, where are you spending most of your time in hunting down uh, or creating and growing new revenue streams for the business, whether it's through one of those two uh, verticals that you just mentioned or something that we haven't yet discussed? Yeah. Um, <laughs> to touch on your, your earlier point of the, uh, of the sentence, I don't touch anything competitive. I'm I'm the one furthest away from it. Like they don't they don't let they don't let me anywhere near those decisions. Uh, <laughs> just because I'm, I'm not I'm not the guy, right? I'm not the guy. I find out some moves that we made from like through public portals and stuff because I <laughs> I, I just I shouldn't be anywhere near that. Uh, I just as if they win, it's great for business. <laughs> that's a, that's what I focus on. But I spend most of my time, honestly, uh, looking at, at a bird's eye view of the gaming industry, not esports. Okay, I think one thing that I credit a lot of uh, the folks on our side is that we quickly said, hey, it's not about esports, it's about gaming. Um, esports is sort of the flag that we fly under, but hey, the tip of the iceberg is esports. The much larger community is underneath that. And so one of the stats, uh, I remember when I first joined, uh, I think it was page five of our deck, there was this somebody i think i don't know which source it was but there was this big headline of esports will be a one billion dollar industry by 2020 there was this thing right and if you keep reading underneath that it says gaming is a 170 billion dollar industry so i'm like hey well how come no one's talking about this <laughs> like yeah. this is this is a little bigger than one billion right 250 now yeah, this is back in the 2020 article. Um, the, 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 the baseline, right, the, the audience of, of gamers is what feeds into esports. So how why are we not talking about that? So to answer your question, Jimmy, I spend a lot of my time seeing just overall creative, cool things that are happening in the gaming industry. And my question is always, hey, can we do that? Can we try that? How would we do it, right? And then once we bake it out a little bit and it becomes a plausible idea, we go to a brand and we say, hey, don't take this out. Look what, look what they did. I think we can make it better, cooler, or different if we do it this way. And a lot of times those ideas have sold. 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Martin, is the implication of that statement that you sort of, and maybe this is a too callous way of saying it because I know you care, but like you sort of don't care if Genji esports teams win or lose. As the chief revenue officer, you're selling something much bigger than just the competitive, right? Is, is it fair to say that? Or, or you do genuinely, do you find winning genuinely has a, an impact on the bottom line? It totally does. When, when, winning, people like winning. Right. No, no one likes losers. Right. So one thing, I mean, even like, let's just go back to my baseball days, uh, the, the teams that win revenue are, you know, five times more than the teams that lose. And that's because brands, the, the whole basis of sports sponsorships, right. The sports marketing is the association of that feel good win. That's the reason why, you know, like a Coca-Cola will go to the to, to a winning team and say, we want to give you this much money because we want to associate our brand with winning. So at the core, winning wins. Let's just be honest. No one, no one likes to put their name next to a losing org. So of course that helps us and it helps me open up more doors when we say, hey, we've been top 10 League of Legends team for the past decade. That gets us a lot more street cred than not. So of course I'm always rooting for them. All I'm saying is I just trust that there's a much smarter people making the better decisions than me coming in and there and you know daring to, to have a voice there. But uh, yeah, of course, it helps us overall if our team is performing because you get more headlines that way too. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm trying to suss out what are the levers on sort of what has the biggest impact on revenue for an org like Genji, right? If you if if one of the teams starts like goes on this huge winning streak, is that more important than maybe losing? But you have a, a player on your team who has 20 million followers and he's a big superstar and you know, draws a lot of headlines just to himself, even if Gen G as a team is maybe not winning. I'm just trying to suss out what are the, you know, the, in your mind, the levers that have an impact on your side of the business, the revenue generation side that you have no control over, right? Obviously you, you, you're not playing, but that have an impact on your business. Yeah. And you may not like this answer too, but, but it, it really comes down to what the client is looking for. The, the brands that want eyeballs in this industry they're already partnered with the big boys, right? The ones that get the millions of views, right? For in Korea, for example, T1 and Genji, like we're like this one-two punch. And a lot of the brands that want the 
the just the logo play, right? The ones that want, hey, we want as many eyeballs to see us and do us well. They'll just slap a name somewhere near Faker. And let's be honest, he he's done that for for brands, and that's why T1 is that successful, right? For us, it really come, we're we're a bit more strategic with our partners, and we kind of have a have deeper discussions up front as to, hey, let's what's your end goal here? What are you trying to achieve within this gaming space, and see if we can deliver that. Some of our sponsors have nothing to do with Genji, right? Uh, I mean, I, I, can I can I mention some names? Am I allowed to do that? Okay. For yeah, example, like McDonald's is one of our biggest partners, right? Uh, and you won't see them anywhere near their logos are nowhere near our, our teams. But what we do for them is we operate uh, McDonald's uh, employee esports league, right? No one, no one knows that, right? Uh, but we operate that. We're the engine behind it. Um, so during COVID, uh, they had some, so they, they have an issue with, with staff retention, right? Because a lot of, a lot of younger folks that work at different regions of McDonald's, they, they wouldn't last more than, you know, three or four months. So they did some homework and they're like, oh, our demographic of our staff, a lot of them love to game. So why don't we take a page out of like, you know, back in the old school softball league, right? Why don't we take a page out of that? So we, we presented it to them. They loved it. So we started in Southern California. Now I think we run it in like 10 different regions around around the country. That keeps going. No one knows about it. And we were offered an award last year for it because it's one of those that uh, it's not a public facing, you know, like a headline grabbing activation or, or sponsorship. But for McDonald's, it's serving their employees and it's doing it's healthy. I mean, some of the th- testaments that we get from, from, from some of the regions is pretty cool. Uh, but like, so that is no, that has nothing to do with whether Genji does well, whether we would have a team or not. They don't care about that. It's more about do we have the ability to deliver what they want to achieve. It's super smart. I, I didn't know that. That's actually really cool yeah. um, for the McDonald's employees also. You know, when we had Arnold on the show, one of the things he talked about, he talked a little bit about, and this was his word, not mine, an esports winter, <laughs> where I think the way he categorized it was teams having to rethink how they generate revenue, how they succeed and how they become viable, sustainable businesses. Right. And I, I think what I loved about that discussion is he had real ideas about where some of these, you know, revenue generating opportunities for esports teams should go like revenue shares with publishers around digital assets, for example. And I'm curious, you know, how much of your time are you spending thinking, you know, maybe the McDonald's one's a great, a perfect example of an answer to this question, you know, thinking outside the box of not just the sponsor logo on the jersey, right? How much time are you thinking about what is the future of esports from a, a revenue standpoint? And how do you solve some of the problems a lot of teams other than Genji are, ha- are having, frankly, right? Like Genji, I think, is in the minority of having figured out a lot of interesting ways of generating revenue. And I'm curious, Martin, how much of your time you spend on this sort of outside the box thinking. Do you maybe not agree with his? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I laugh. I laugh because he coined that and he brought it to us actually months, many months ago. Then we've been talking about it for, for as long as I can remember. Um, but yeah, to your point, I think, you know, we're fortunate enough that we had that foresight and we were always uh, creative about, hey, um, let's not pigeonhole ourselves into one revenue stream or one vertical where if that hits the it hits, a, it hits a hurdle, we're, we're in trouble. Um, so I think we prepared well for that. For me personally, thinking outside the box is it's what I do. Uh, that, 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 that's all I wanted to do. And when I first came over and again, wearing the, the MLB baseball hat and trying to make things fit into to, to, to the to that template, and it, I keep getting jammed. And that's when I really made the pivot of saying, you know what, I got to start from scratch. I got to realize that it's really not that. That's why, you know, when people talk about is esports a sport, I say, I don't care. It's because it's different. That's just why, why does that even matter, right? Um, the biggest thing I always talk about is like in baseball or in the NBA, for example, like you say that, like, you know, we have a bunch of friends that were playing baseball in a, in a park. Uh, Major League Baseball can't come and say, hey, stop playing. I own this game. Nobody owns the IP of that sport, right? But in gaming, technically they could, right? Technically, if we're doing a tournament and not that they would, and we're playing league, for example, technically Riot could be like, hey, guys, stop doing that because you're commercializing our game, take it down. Like that. And I was like, that was for me the biggest light bulb. It was like, yeah, but this third dimension that no one's talking about. So you have to think outside the box. Otherwise, you know, 
they can they can they can shut anything down. So uh, that's just one of those epiphanies that I had. So thinking outside the box on on, on how we go to brands and how we have these conversations with potential partners, uh, it's that's that's the very bread and butter of where we start with. So what do you what is your take then on like because this we talked about recently on the podcast? What's your take on like? Hundred thieves launching an energy drink, and may, you know we we don't have to make it targeted at hundred thieves specifically. We could make it more general, but you know, are these in your mind outside the box revenue streams or revenue opportunities for esports teams, or do you think this is not the right line of thinking in general? Like I said earlier about how even Genji means three different things in three different markets, right? We have offices in Korea, China, and North America, and people know us as three different things. What I love about the esports community right now is that every big brand, right? The, the, the phases and, and, and the, the thieves, the TSM, the liquids, uh, we also mean through 10 different things to the market. And we've carved out sort of that identity. And I feel like as long as we are honest to ourselves of what our community wants from us, then it's going to work, right? There's so many smart people over there. I'm sure it wasn't on a whim. I'm sure it wasn't like, hey, how about an energy drink? Let's just try it out. <laughs> I'm sure there were hours and hours and meetings and meetings to say, hey, would this work? Is it worth a try, right? Is, is it worth a squeeze? And that's probably why they're doing it, even them creating a game. Like it's so outside the box thinking, but I'm sure they did the proper analytics to say, this may make sense for us. And that's why they're doing it. And I, and I hope everything works for them. In the same way, as long as we know what we're good at, right? And there's still, while we compete on the stage, I always tell this when I, when I talk to clients, while as an esports community, we compete on the stage, from the business side, we're all kind of rooting for each other because we need this thing to work, right? We want every big move that the, 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 the guys make, we want them to be successful. And if by chance some of them don't work out, we learn, we all together learn from that, right? In Korea, the, the our LCK league, we're very close. We're very close. And we we learn from each other and we help each other. Like whenever T1 and Genji meet in the finals, we are so happy for each other because everybody wins. Like the viewership goes, oh, Riot is super thrilled about it. Our sponsors love it. Like we intentionally sometimes even do like, hey, we're going to talk some smack, talk back, okay? Like we, we, we kind of engineer those things because... You know, like we all have to win as a business community before. Otherwise, that competitive thing might not even be there a couple of years from now. Right. So, um, so, you know, we are all trying to carve out our individual, you know, plot of land. And uh, I just want all of us to be really good at it. It kind of ties back, Martin, to what you began our episode with uh, mentioning, uh, you know, a mobile game and a baseball activation and trying something new and seeing if that helps grow the community, cultivate an audience. I'm curious on what you can share maybe along the lines of the McDonald's partnership, you know, that, that like you said, not, no one had any idea to. What other forward thinking trials can we expect at a Gen G? Uh, something that maybe is, again, not top secret, but uh, perhaps not public knowledge, but that's okay to share with us if there is anything, whether it's exploring your IP in new ways, exploring Web3 and NFTs. I'm just curious, you know, what, uh, if, if you can share something fun that we can expect out of Gen G over the next uh, next year. Two two things. Um, one is, and I think this isn't any top secret, but we've always been really bullish on the intersection of gaming and education. In Korea, we have a full on academy. This past uh, semester, we had thirteen graduates from our academy go to U.S. universities, and one of them got even offered a full ride uh, to, to to be an esports student athlete at, at the U.S. university. So that was a thesis that we tried to prove from about three, four years ago, and we're going all in on that, right? And our motto is not making gamers better gamers, rather making gamers better students. And and we're, we're going to hang our entire hat on that because we do believe globally, man, the more you peel back, like every student coming up, I mean, between 13 and 15 to, to high school level, like they're all playing some kind of game. Usually gamers have a generally high IQ. Let's take this passion of theirs and not say, hey, label them as quote unquote nerds or like you're playing PS5 in the mom's basement. Not that. They, we're dealing with a very different kind of student that, that that's extremely brilliant and take that passion and see, hey, how can you leverage this? Right. And then uh, jokingly, we called it like uh, let's become the Legos uh, of the 80s and 90s. Right. Like. We all thought Legos was a toy, but that actually fueled the creativity and sort of the engineering mind of that generation. 
Um, you know, so in the same way, let's take their passion for gaming and convert it into something else, make them better people, make them better students. And that's why we're carving out that part of the ecosystem. And again, it's big enough. I mean, I'm, I'm sharing this because we're not like secretive about it. It's out there. It's out there. And then we're just trying to create something really good for the community. The second thing is we just launched this crazy partnership with, with Mobile One to enter Rocket League, right? So the start of that conversation was the same as everything else. Okay, you guys are interested in esports. What do you want to achieve there? And what can we provide? Uh, and as we head into this, I don't want to you see the esports winter, but you know we are sort of in a downtrade economy, right? Marketers are going to be a little more conservative and only doing things that really pay off for them. Uh, I, you know, I feel like, man, we hit something there with what can we do more as a joint partnership? Not so much like, hey, we go first and then you put your brand on there. Instead, is hey, what can we do together? And and if we win, we hit a home run. I, I feel like that creative thinking um, might get us to through this. I, I call it winter. It's really not a winter, but anyway, uh, you know, kind of getting us to, to the next stage uh, of our industry, but. Um, you know, outside the box thinking for us has worked. Martin, I, I just, I have one last question for you before I, I, I pass it back to, to Jimmy here. But what is your view on the future? Like, give me the five-year outlook for Gen G specifically, obviously, but also where are we going in terms of, like, what, what does the industry look like five years from now from a revenue mix standpoint, right? Will, will media rights sort of come up to the point where it's significant for esports teams or do you think that's not going to happen is it digital assets that are going to you know generate way more revenue is it you know merchandise and energy drinks and they like what does the revenue mix look like five years from now industry-wide and maybe specifically for gen g in your mind <laughs> i don't know man <laughs> i guess this answer might get edited out uh because I don't, I don't have that answer uh i i don't know um <laughs> your best guess you're closer to this than anyone else. The big industry trend in your mind. I think I think the big industry trend is that there's going to be uh, less doing more. Sort of how this Valorant thing is sort of developing, right? It's sort of now we, you know, before we didn't really have a roadmap, right? We didn't know what works. It was a lot of it was by chance. But uh, just seeing how uh, now you can almost crack, because I'm not going to name names, but let's look at some of the big esports that were around three years ago that are not nowhere to be found now. Like that, that can't. That's not good. That's not good for business, right? You can't have this up and down by title. So rather, we have to start creating a more established ecosystem or more established infrastructure, because brands don't want to be a trend. You know, brands don't want to be like, oh, it was good while it was there. Oh, too bad it's gone now, right? Like as, as a brand, you don't want that. So you want you want to establish yourself with this community, especially because they're so young. The idea is join them young and write it out, right? That that's that, that's the entire pitch here. Um, so, so I feel like the in terms of the competitive side, the infrastructure has to be a little more solidified so that it's not really riding the waves of a popularity of a certain game. Uh, and on on the revenue side, I just feel like. Because even in the past four years I've been here, a lot of the brands that were really heavy in esports then are they're not around now. They they kind of got burnt, right? Um, so I feel uh, like the, 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 the certain brands that are going to be more long term minded are going to be doing bigger things uh, than than like the the one stop shop kind of a kind of a partnership. But again. If you want to cut this out, that's fine because I know it's not a good, not a really good answer. No, is the implication that that the big names in esports today, right, like Genji, will attract a greater percentage of the dollars five years from now? Like, do you think there's consolidation and and sort of there's there's maybe fewer big winners as opposed to sort of money being spread everywhere? Yeah, that that, that I can I can probably say within five years, I think it'll be a little more structured. Um, I don't want to use the word league. But it's going to be probably max 10 to 15 more solid, larger organizations that all play in, in all of the relevant games uh, and are able to figure out how to move, how to keep this thing going forward. Just because I think now, uh, you know, there's a reason why a lot of these hard pivots are happening is that, uh, you know, orgs are realizing that just being in one title or I mean, the, 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 East, the competitive esports itself is not a profitable model. I mean, that's not that's not rocket science. Like that's it's a fact, right? Um, so that's why, unless you have more of them, it's kind of like you know, one of my buddies owns uh, owns a subway, 
um, a franchise and he didn't make a lot of money until he owned five. It's almost like that. Like, you know, if you, if you are going to go all in on one shop, um, it's going to be hard. And then you're highly dependent and relative and tied to the success of that title. And what happens if that title for, for some reason doesn't, it, it just takes a turn. Right. So I, I do feel like uh, a lot of the orgs that are able to field and sort of hedge the market uh, are going to have much longer uh, vision and longer, longer term success. And the education thing is such a, uh, I think, a competitive advantage for you guys. That that if you can crack that sort of at massive scale, I think is such a huge opportunity, right? There's obviously challenges there, but I think that's such a massive nut to crack. And 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 you know, access to millions and millions of students who are gamers to me is 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 really a holy grail. So I think that's that's a very interesting piece of the business. This brings us to everyone's favorite new segment, guys. Uh, it's not so new <laughs> anymore. But it's Judge Jimmy's cross-examination. If you're new here, the way it works, Judge Jimmy's going to ask a few rapid-fire questions. They're, they're easy questions, Martin. That's The idea is to get to know you a bit better as a person. And they're rapid-fire, so they're quick and easy. Judge Jimmy, take it away. All right. Martin, out of respect for your time, I'm going to keep it, I think, to two questions, but one overarching insight. World Series, Phillies or Astros, who you got, <laughs> how many games? Give us some insight here to your old life. I said Philly, Phillies and six. Phillies and six. Yeah, you heard it here first, Martin Kim, Gen G. Phillies and six. But I don't know if you know. I grew I grew up in Philly, so it's a really uh, it's a bias. It's a bias. Oh, that's totally biased. <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up I grew up in Philadelphia, so I mean, <laughs> and I also I worked for the Dodgers when they lost to Houston, so um... <laughs> it's definitely a sore spot for sure. <laughs> yes. Well, 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 Martin, thanks so much for joining us today. I think this was uh, the type of interview that we could have made into three or four interviews. So we're going to have to have you back. Um, but, but back to you, Paul. Martin, how do you like to be followed, found? You know, how can people find you, follow you, what you're doing, reach out to you? One beautiful thing about the gaming industry, everyone's so damn tech savvy that whoever wants to find me, they always do. Uh, but usually <laughs> uh, nowadays, like LinkedIn is probably the easiest thing. Uh, I'm not very active on Twitter again, because I think it's tied to the fact that I'm not a big gamer, but uh, I never really caught on to to the busyness of, of Twitter, but LinkedIn might be the easiest way since we are talking to more of a business audience here. Uh, but if you need to find me, I'm sure you can track me down. Martin, really appreciate it. So much insight. Like Jimmy said, we could have easily made a three-hour episode here um, and really appreciate having you on. Jimmy, thank you as always. Just a bit of housekeeping for our listeners. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Business of Esports everywhere. Uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. We have content on all these platforms. It's all different. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget the most important thing, guys. The future is fun. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Business of Esports podcast. Check us out at thebusinessofesports.com and on Twitter at bizesports. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details.